0: Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 a.m. News Talk and RadioNL.com.
1: Welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show here on Friday, TGI Friday. Are you ready for the weekend? Well, it looks like it's going to be a bit of a cloudy one here in the Kamloops area. 40% chance of flurries tomorrow. Looks like we're going to be getting some rain on Sunday. Definitely a chance for some messy conditions out there. But I think most of the snow we have seen in town has slowly melted away. And whatever hasn't will certainly fall victim to that rain if indeed it does come here this weekend. I got what I think is a pretty good show lined up here today at the end of the program. I'll be checking in with Harper Mountain. I've spoken to those out at Sun Peaks to find out how things are going out there. And from everything I've heard, I mean, they're going pretty smoothly up there. Um, Record snowfalls that they've seen recently. And uh, obviously a lot of traffic comes as a result of that. Um, But what's going on a little bit closer to Kamloops? Well, I will be checking in with the general manager of Harper Mountain to end off today's show and just see, you know, what is going on out there. I'm going to try out a new bit here called Friday Headlines. What I'm going to do is pull up some headlines from stories throughout the week. They may be local. They may be from elsewhere in the world. It really doesn't matter. But I'll be relaying what those headlines are, have a quick chat with someone here from our newsroom about what is going on, and then, you know, fill them in on exactly what that story was all about. So that'll be coming up at around 9.35. I think it should be a fun little exercise. And coming up next, I'm going to be chatting with British Columbia Parliamentary Secretary of Technology. The province is calling on municipalities to submit proposals on how they would like to allow e-scooters and electric skateboards in their communities. Here in Kamloops, we have that downtown transportation strategy that is currently being developed. Are these the kinds of options that would make sense here in our community? Well, I think it would at least be worth considering. Now, I'm not aware of any proposals that are being made in this regard at this time, but there is still time to make these kinds of things happen and get your proposals in and uh, be a part of this pilot project. So if anyone listening has a cool idea for how they would like to uh, you know, see people get around the city and maybe even more specifically the downtown area, well then maybe Rick Glumack will help you find out exactly how to go about doing that, working with the city, fill out those applications, get that expression of interest in, and uh, go from there. Those uh, applications are due on uh, March 6th, so there is a little bit of time for an application, but you do have to have your expression of interest in before the end of this month, so that timeline is coming up pretty quickly. We can't rely solely on things like electric cars to be our future. We need to diversify our options, and I think these smaller vehicles might just be the way to go, so I'll be chatting more about that in a few minutes. Just wanted to quickly revisit a chat ahead yesterday with tennis analyst John Horn, so uh, Canada has one man left standing in the singles draw. The young up-and-comers went out early on the men's side. And on the women's side, while we didn't expect much out of 17-year-old Layla Annie Fernandez, uh, she was just excited to get into the main draw. And uh, we know the fall of Eugenie Bouchard, who didn't even qualify for the event. And unfortunately, the newest, uh, Bianca Andrescu was unable to play due to injury. So we are basically just left with one familiar face in Milos Raonic, And he played last night against the sixth-ranked player in the world, Stefano Tsitsipas. And uh, while well, John Horn didn't give Milos much of a chance yesterday, here was his comments when I asked, you know, kind of what was expected between this match, uh, between the sixth seed and the 32 seed.
0: You know, he's got a shot. I never would rule Roundich out. He's got the experience for sure. He's played really well at the Australian Open over the years. Uh, he's won more matches at the Australian Open than any other uh, Grand Slam that he's played at, even more than Wimbledon. So um, he knows what it takes to play in these conditions. It's going to be a primetime matchup in Australia, 7 o'clock Australia time, and um, I think it'll be a good matchup. I don't see Roundich winning. I think, you know, it could go four or five sets, but I definitely think that Sitsi Pass is a stronger player
1: So there you go. John didn't give Roundwich much of a chance to come out on top in that third round match. Well, they played last night around midnight. I guess that was technically early this morning. And the 29-year-old Canadian had other plans. He rolled to a straight-sets win over the Greek and will now be moving on to face Marin Cilic in the fourth round. So. One Milos Milos is now just one win away from a trip to the quarterfinals at the Australian Open and a likely meeting with Novak Djokovic. So it does feel a little bit like 2016 here when Rounich made that Wimbledon final run. Um, But of course there are no easy matches left that's for sure and and we'll see just how far uh, Raunich can carry this momentum. Look, I I didn't think Milos would win last night either. I just wanted to play the clip from John because I think most in the industry were a little surprised by what happened. There wasn't anyone that gave him much of a chance. um, But He had other plans. He gave himself a a heck of a chance and is now moving on to that fourth round. So we'll see where things go uh, from here. What else is going on? Uh, just going to take a quick look here. Uh, a recent story I did a couple of weeks ago, the BC Coroner Service had come up with this idea to send 3D printed skulls that are a part of cold cases in the province and send them off to a New York Art Academy for reconstruction. So uh, here's a, a brief snippet of my chat with identification specialist yours, Laurel Yazegin, from a couple of weeks ago talking about this kind of innovative project.
0: Exactly what we hope will happen. And this has been a fantastic opportunity for us because we have done reconstructions on kind of a case-by-case basis when we have particularly high-profile cases, usually homicides, which uh, we've been unable to resolve. And But uh, we've never done anything on a scale like this. you know. And most of these cases, uh, a lot of them we actually don't know the circumstances surrounding the individual's death because all that was found was a skull. Mm-hmm. Or, you know... They were found so long after they died that any evidence we have from the scene was, you know, either removed or contaminated or just lost, basically. Um, and some of these cases are really old. The oldest case that we've sent out to them was from 1972.
1: Well, the RCMP have since released the results of that unique facial reconstruction project for the 14 unidentified men. So they sent 14 3D printed skulls of these unidentified men to this New York Art Academy. um, And they went about, you know, putting some clay on top of these skulls to find out exactly what these faces will look like. And now those models have been completed and people can start to look at those reconstructed faces and see if they can help identify the individuals in these pictures. There's some really realistic models that came out as as a result of this project. And I, I would think they should prove beneficial when trying to identify some of these cold cases. And in fact, one case, which occurred in Nova Scotia, so it's a little bit unrelated to what happened here in BC, but one case in Nova Scotia, it wasn't an old case. It was from September 2019, so not even uh, six months ago. But a face has already been identified thanks to this program. So it looks like it has the ability to work out well to identify some of these people that have been missing for quite some time and hopefully bring some closure to those who have been impacted, their loved ones, I'm sure, are wondering whatever happened to some of these people. And, uh, well, this is an opportunity, hopefully, to get some results. All right, well, that's enough of that. Coming up next, I'm going to be talking about electronic transportation. I'll be joined by the Parliamentary Secretary of Technology after this. So please stick around.
0: to Jeff Andreas on radio NL 610 a.m news talk and radionl.com
1: hello and welcome back to the Jeff Andreas show thanks as always for taking the time to listen The B.C. government is calling on municipalities to submit proposals on how they would allow things like e-scooters and electric skateboards in their communities. I'm joined now by the MLA for Port Moody Coquitlam. He's also the Parliamentary Secretary for Technology, Mr. Rick Glumack. Rick, thanks so much for taking the time to come on here.
2: Glad to be here.
1: So this call for proposals, it was put out about a week ago. And, uh, you know, I'm just sort of curious right off the top. I mean, what is this all about? Like, what exactly are you guys looking for uh, at the the Ministry of Technology? What are you hoping to receive from people who are looking to implement some of these types of services in their community, like e-scooters, like e-skateboards? What do what these proposals look like that you've received so far?
2: Well, uh, last fall, uh, the province uh, introduced changes to the Motor Vehicle Act. And one of those changes was to allow for pilot projects for uh for new technology around personal transportation like e-scooters and uh electric skateboards and and all of that so um what we didn't put changes into the motor vehicle act around these new forms of technology because we want to work with municipalities to test out regulations um over a period of time and learn from them and then capture what we learned in the future for. Uh, provincial legislation. So we have launched this pilot project Now We're looking for applications. Um, and uh, the deadline for submission is uh, March 6th.
1: So people have, a, or communities have a little bit of time to um, you know put some things in order and, and, and submit a proposal if they so choose. Um, what, what kind of uh, interest have you heard prior to this call? I mean, this call was obviously put out, uh, this request for proposals was put out as a result of interest being uh, displayed from, uh, you know, whether it be members of the public or, you know, individual companies that have looked to launch these kinds of e-scooter technologies. Um, you know, what kinds of responses have you been getting from communities? I assume there was a pretty significant interest uh prior to this call being put out uh that communities did want to get involved in this kind of transportation
2: yeah definitely um and you know since we've uh announced the pilot project we've had a, a steady stream of uh you know phone calls and emails and uh an interest in this um but even before this you know there were there were municipalities like Kelowna that uh have already been working on um allowing e-scooters on their uh uh, uh waterfront um, area. And, um, and so I know there's interest there and uh, certainly interest in other areas as well. But one thing I should say uh, for any anyone listening that is in a municipality, uh, the, the deadline for the submission is March 6, but the deadline for the expression of interest is the end of this month. So we want to we want to get those in as, uh, as quickly as possible.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's definitely some important timelines for people to be aware of. Um, what what kind of um issue I guess is at stake when we're talking about these kinds of things like I know like when we're looking at the Ministry of Transportation I know they had um, you know a bunch of rules in place when it comes to these sort of e-scooters and they they weren't allowed on most roads ways, and things like that and I, I, that is the case moving forward and that's sort of why this call is being put out because we've seen um, you know places like in, in California I was there in the in the fall and late late summer and um, you know in LA there were a lot of people whipping around on these scooters and they go pretty quick and definitely something that has to be considered Considered When looking at things like road safety, um, So, I mean, when looking at just sort of how these types of proposals are working out, I mean, is there a lot really to go through? Because this isn't just a Ministry of Technology thing, right? You're talking about Ministry of Transportation. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head, but there's got to be yeah. uh, several ministries that would have to almost come together to work on these kinds of proposals and figure out just how these rules are going to work.
2: Well, and the the purpose of the pilot project is um, for us to be working with municipalities. This is a Ministry of Transportation uh, initiative. The Motor Vehicle Act falls under the Ministry of Transportation, but you know every municipality um, will have their own set of regulations, and the application that the you know, the submission that that is made is quite. The application is quite thorough. Um, it asks a lot of questions around safety and, and how how safety can be addressed and you know data sharing and a, and a whole bunch of other areas. Um, so uh, a lot of the work will will happen at the municipal level, and that's that's what we're going to be doing is learning from from uh, on the ground in municipalities. Now, when
1: you, these uh, applications are being submitted, um, is it strictly coming through municipalities themselves, or you know, it, companies that are interested in operating in communities can they put out this expression of interest as well, or or are you strictly looking from you know a municipal government to, to come forward and express interest? How exactly is that working?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's through the municipalities. So if there are companies that are interested uh, in in uh, you know working on a pilot. Um, they would be working with a municipality on this. Um, and that's like the example I gave is like Kelowna. Um, they, they've been doing some work, uh, with, with some companies there. Um, so that would be, that would be how, how it would work. Okay, so if there
1: is a company out there that's interested in operating, say, specifically here in Kamloops, they should get in contact with somebody from the city to to figure out how things are moving forward. If they want to, you know, be a part of that, then they should contact those in charge at the municipality and, and they can work, I guess, with the private sector from there,
2: right? Exactly, yeah. Perfect. And the province.
1: Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay, so when when do you think we can see some of these potential pilot projects being launched? I mean, uh, you know, March 6th is the deadline. How quickly do you think some licenses or, or whatever the right term would be would be handed out? Any ideas how quickly that turnaround would be?
2: Yeah, we anticipate that it's going to be fairly quick. Uh, you know, I've, I'm talking to the Ministry of Transportation. Uh, the, their intent is to uh, approve those uh, quite quickly. We could see um, we could see these uh, e-scooters and other personal mobility devices uh, operating as early as the summer.
1: Perfect. And I guess that kind of makes the most sense, right? I mean, when we're looking at these types of transportations, I don't know if there's other examples that you've heard, but e-scooters and e-skateboards seems to be the ones that come to mind most frequently. And um, I don't know if there's necessarily like winter. Um, potential winter transport uh vehicles that will be available for this type of thing but summer would definitely be the time of year where um it makes the most sense at least from what i've seen for these types of vehicles to be out and be on the road um you know is that sort of what you're hearing as well Is this is um really a, a seasonal exercise at this point
2: i think you could you could probably say that i mean uh, but the you know these uh this technology is constantly evolving there's new forms of of, of personal uh, uh transportation uh you know coming out all the time um so you know you, you could envision something that's more winter focused but uh i think for the most part uh you're right that it's it's predominantly uh like a a fair weather thing
1: now, uh, at this stage of the game, I mean, uh, you're obviously looking for individual municipalities to come forward with their own pilot projects. Uh, are you going to take this data from, um, like, as, as a whole and look at implementing rules province-wide as a result of these pilots? Are you going to be kind of letting municipalities work this kind of thing out? I'm just curious sort of what, uh, once these sort of projects get off the ground and we see how they operate over the course of this upcoming summer and, and upcoming fall, you know, what what's going to happen with that data afterwards? Is the province looking to do like a whole uh, provincial regulation around this type of of transportation and technology or we're going to leave it up to a city by city basis
2: well i think uh, uh these pilot projects will um the the, the term in which uh, they they could operate is up to three years and uh, over that period of time i think uh you know there'll be opportunities to adjust regulations and learn kind of how things are working and things better and i think uh, what we will see is there will be some common elements um, across the different municipalities that uh, we could we could put into provincial legislation and there may be some things that are sort of maybe a bit more appropriate for municipalities to regulate so that's what we're going to learn through this process
1: fantastic well uh, i think that's about all i had for questions for you right now rick anything else that you want to add on this file before i let you go
2: not too much no just uh you know our province is uh is very interested in uh excited about working uh with municipalities on this uh we know that people are always looking for uh you know uh, other forms of, of transportation other than having to use you know gas cars and uh, our province is very much focused on producing greenhouse gas emissions and um and we have an active transportation strategy that you're working on. So uh, this is something that we're very excited to be uh, rolling out, and we're looking forward to seeing uh, uh, you know these these devices on the roads uh, hopefully by the summer.
1: Awesome. Well, people have, uh, you know, next Friday is the deadline, I guess, for those uh, expressions of interest, and then March 6th being the deadline for the full application. So, um, yeah, people don't have a ton of time to uh, get their head in the game on this file, but hopefully you guys get lots of interest, and I'm hoping that something comes from Kamloops as well, because I would love to see at least the opportunity to to check some of these types of uh, ways to get around the city. You know, I just want to check them out and see how they work. I haven't done much of it in other places, but I've seen them. They look pretty neat, and I think there's a lot of appetite for this kind of thing. So thank you so much for doing this, Rick. I really appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you. That was the MLA for Port Moody Coquitlam and the parliamentary secretary for technology, Rick Glumack. Yeah, talking about some of those uh, interesting ways that people might be looking to get around cities here on the not too distant future. Uh, the electric scooter is the obvious one or the electric skateboard, same thing, just no handles. Those are the obvious ones that people have kind of talked about and bandied about when looking at how uh, we could go about, you know, having easily accessible transportation, not going to take up a lot of room when it comes to parking or sidewalk space, things like that. Those are the obvious ones. There's also the electric bicycle that many people use. Um, there's the electric unicycle, which is a bit of an interesting one. Uh, mopeds and scooters, of course. Hoverboards, we've seen those. Um, what else? We've got segways. So there's options out there for some different ideas of what we could use to get around cities, but I think there's uh, even more innovative ways that haven't been talked about yet and it's just a matter of time and projects like this will help bring those forward. Coming up next, we're going to be doing some Friday headlines, so stay tuned. More Jeff Andreas shows coming up after this.
0: Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 6:10 a.m. News Talk and RadioNL.com.
1: Welcome back to the Friday edition of the Jeff Andrea Show. Getting ready for the weekend here in style. I hope you guys are all ready for what looks like it could be a wet weekend here. I know my buddy Kurt Appleby, who's in studio with me now, is ready for a couple of days off. Kurt, how you doing? I'm actually rattled right now, Jeff.
3: Quite pissed off. What's going on? Um, I try not to bring, like, um, producer drama onto the airwaves. I also say that all the time, and then <laughs> and I then always you bring it on anyway, <laughs> and then I do, but I've been getting railroaded for well over a week now by uh, government minions. Um, I had an idea last week. Okay, well, I want to, I've seen what's happening at TRU. They're making a big social media campaign of grants, not loans. Basically, uh, yes, they yes, want yes. grants instead of student loans. So British Columbia youths, when they get into the workforce, aren't saddled with debt. With thousands and tens
1: of thousands tens of dollars of, thou- of debt. for Tens sure.
3: of thousands of dollars. As you enter the workforce, how the hell is anybody supposed to get a get get ahead Aheading, in life? Exactly. And we've seen that recently. This week with or last or was it this week? Yeah. With with council approving the the business revitalization tax, they get it. Why are you going to saddle uh, businesses with debt? as they're trying to build sort of uh, their business. It makes no sense. It's the exact same thing with students. So we talked to the TRU Student Association. We talked to the BC Federation of Students. Wanted to tie it all together with a nice little bow by getting the Minister of Advanced Education, Melanie Mark. And I pro- my email thread was probably 20 emails. Yeah. And it, it all came to a head today where they emailed me back. And I know you're listening, BC NDP. I know you listen to the station. So make a note i get uh, it's at least 20 emails and they finally send oh sorry minister minister's unavailable today so i say okay that's fine why couldn't you tell me that you just didn't want to talk about it a week ago why do you have to string me
1: along yeah, for, for an entire a week? week it's frustrating it is super frustrating it happens on this show it happens on the morning nl morning news yeah. i know it happens to to Brett during the afternoon as well i mean it's just something that uh, we as radio people have to deal with and it, it shouldn't be that way i mean when we're talking about something so simple as how to fund education it shouldn't be that hard of a thing to come on and chat for a few minutes about it's a pretty straightforward thing it's all part of that education file all part of the portfolio there's nothing uh... There's nothing crazy that's coming at you in terms of conversation here, so they shouldn't have to really even prep for it. And, unless she,
3: unless they fully believe that, no, we don't care about our, our college-age kids coming into the workforce. That's the only thing, and that's the only conclusion that I'm going to draw, is that if you don't want to come on and talk about it, you
1: don't care about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've done something on that Grants Not Loans um, campaign way back in, I believe it was October, uh, so when full school was first getting into session, and uh, yeah, they've really pushed that. They've continued to push that message, and uh, I, I don't think it's going anywhere in terms of um, you know people actually listening that are in charge of that portfolio, but... We got to keep pushing if we're going to uh, have any momentum there. I mean, we see other countries with free education and how much better off they are as a result. Uh, I think Canada needs to follow suit, and hopefully, it happens at some point. But
3: Germany is a fine, fine example. My brother, ha- my brother-in-law has a PhD in chemical mass. Master- he's a doctor of engineering. He paid what two hundred euros for seven years of school. Like, run, yeah. explain that to me. And then when you see the economic powerhouse that Germany is, I guess Canada doesn't want to be anything like that. I just don't know. And according to to the students associations and all them, BC is the only uh, province in the country that doesn't doesn't have a a sort of grants program instead of loans. And it just boils down to what does the BC government, what does this BC government know that everybody else doesn't know? I talked about it at length this morning with with ride sharing. We've seen it with the World Cup. We've seen it uh, with bridges and tunnels and crossings, and I don't know what this BC government knows that everybody else knows. Will they? Pl- and
1: and I, I want to ask them, but then they don't want to come on and talk about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's always the issue. Well, uh, that's a lot of frustration here that's coming out in the last couple of minutes. So why don't we move on and do Thanks. something a little <laughs> more fun here? Um, we'll play a little game I like to call Friday Headlines. I have a very poorly produced. Uh, it's not even. Produced. It's just a little drop that I made this morning, because this was Dang a last-minute uh, addition to the program, but uh, I'm, it, I'm just going to play it anyway, even though it's a little bit creepy, but here it goes. It's time for Friday Headlines. See, I don't know if I should have that demon voice going on. <laughs>
3: I thought you said we that's a lot of frustration the last couple
1: of minutes. Let's move on to something fun. That's and then fun! You, come and on, then you demon on, voice! You bring on Demon Jeff. <laughs> I, I liked it. Whatever. We'll, we'll play this game in the future, and then we'll actually have uh, something produced by the actual pros and not myself. All right, so let's start with a couple of headlines here from this week. So uh, first one, uh, out of Florida. So when winter hits Florida, iguanas start falling from trees. And the headline goes on to say, and maybe onto the grill because they were trying to be funny. What do you think is going on here, Kurt?
3: I I think it's a little too cold in, uh, in Florida.
1: Yeah, well, what's happening is forecasters in southern Florida warn that a sharp cold snap could bring a high chance of falling iguanas it's not raining men it's raining iguanas and that's exactly what happened the national weather service's office in miami says a mobilized iguanas began falling from trees after temperatures plunged into the 30s and 40s earlier this week for those like me who have no idea how the imperial system works that's about minus 1 to 4 degrees celsius That's pretty darn cold for Florida. That's a lot colder than even us that we're experiencing right now. Um, Iguanas falling from trees. That's terrifying. Did you see the video?
3: Did you see the video of this poor iguana hanging on by a literal finger? It's doing everything it can to stay on uh, on the branch, but you can see the one leg slip off. It's like freezing to death right in front of you. And then it gets onto the ground,
1: and it's uh, completely immobilized. It's it's terrifying, though. These, like, iguanas aren't small. If you're walking and not paying attention to what's above you on some of these palm trees, that could result in some serious injuries. It's
3: no coconut, but yeah, I wouldn't want an iguana <laughs> falling on me.
1: I would much rather a coconut fall on me than a living lizard. I no, will say that right no, now. No,
3: coconuts kill more people than sharks
1: eat. I believe you, but that doesn't change the fact that I would freak out a lot more If an iguana fell on me, then a coconut.
3: Well, you can freak out if an iguana falls on your head. If a coconut falls on your head, you are rendered unconscious, and you may never wake up again.
1: Well, only if it's a big coconut. I mean, Uh, it could be a small coconut. Then I'll be okay. This is a little bump on the noggin. I can live with that. A little cocoa bump. All right, let's move on. Next headline here. It's time for a new headline. I really got it. <laughs> Oh, my God. That is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this one, actually, I really enjoy. This one's out of Ontario. A team stiffed on fake ID calls the cops. How do you think the cops responded to this?
3: Yeah, they probably uh, arrested him. Arrested the kid? Arrested the kid, yeah. All
1: right, well, I mean, he didn't have a fake ID, so how can you arrest him? All right, I'll read it out. So, uh, a minor was ripped off trying to buy a fake ID. Norfolk County, Ontario Provincial Police are looking into the fraud complaint now after a teen called to report that they attempted to buy fake identification online, and the documents never showed up. So the constable here says that police received the call on Tuesday morning that a teen uh, paid an undisclosed amount of money online to buy a bogus ID, which was never delivered. And now they're looking into this as a fraud case. Can you believe that?
3: <laughs> I just can't. It's like uh, the, the person that goes to try to break into somebody's house and hurts themselves and then tries to sue the homeowner.
1: It's, I know. And, it, and it's as ridiculous as it sounds. You're like, this person broke into my house. They should be the ones getting charged. Yeah. It never works out that way. Well, it seems to rarely work out that way anyway. <laughs> did you have a fake ID growing up? I did. How much did you pay for it? Uh I think I paid like fifty bucks for yeah, it, something think, like that. I think
3: that was probably the going rate. I know um I had some friends with, and it was always the Alberta ones that always were. Always Alberta. Eas- That's the exactly easiest easiest what I had.
1: <laughs> easiest to knock off. How old were you in your fake ID? Uh, I think I was seventeen. So I what? wasn't like a huge, and I had to be well, 19, when right? Well, you had it, yeah. But yeah. how old was?
3: were you? Oh, was your I was trait. just
1: 19. I wasn't going ridiculous. Like they asked, right? How old do you want to be? And I kept my birth date the same because you have yeah. to remember all this stuff when you're trying to sneak yeah. into the bars or whatever. Not that you guys should be doing that out there. I right. actually had, I I actually had a, a beard when I was 16,
3: 17. Oh, so you There didn't were even lots need of idea. times I didn't, and there was like you know, I got a like a mid mid year birthday, so all my friends were still in the bar. Birthdays between January and June. Sometimes I would get in. Sometimes I got kicked out. But
1: ah, it was a good thing to have. A lot of friends got jealous if uh, if you had one and they didn't. And then they were asking you to buy all their. Anyways, let's well, the not fi- get into the, that. The
3: fifty bucks makes
1: up for itself in about <laughs> a week and a half. I yeah. could I used it for myself? I didn't like other people, so I was uh, selfish when it came to that. But anyway, <laughs> so this any... this fake ID kid. So this, uh, of course, the cops go on to say that um, you know, there's obviously. If issues when it comes to owning a fake ID, um, you know the concerns that come along with you know presenting a fake ID and having it ripped up or taken away, and of course you can get charged with something as well. Although I've never seen anyone actually charged for having a fake ID, but it is possible. And um, but if you are ha- selling fake IDs, don't rip people off because that could be even more of a, a situation. All right, next one. Let's go. All right, here we go. It's time for a new headline. Oh, this is completely it. jarring. I love it. I love it. I'm going to keep using it now. No, it's not going to get changed. It's definitely here to stay. All right, here's the new headline in this one. I a laughed new, new at. New
3: intro, new intro.
1: Though. I definitely need a new intro, but we'll work I like on the splitter. that. I like the splitter. Okay, so here we go. Human P blamed for escalator breakdowns on Mexico City Subway. Isn't that the grossest thing you've ever heard? Uh, It's disgusting. I don't... uh, When I first read the headline, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, that happens in subways and big cities. Like, gross stuff happens, of course. Go through any stairwell. uh, But this the, the, the article is what really threw me off. So, somehow... I'll just read the the first couple of lines here. Somehow urine is penetrating and corroding the drive wheels and mechanisms of escalators that carry riders from underground stations here in Mexico City subways. In a list published on Tuesday, the Metro system listed corrosion due to urine as one of the top five causes of escalator breakdowns. Systems Assistant Manager for Rails and Facilities said riders appear to be urinating on escalators at off-peak hours and lightly used stations, even though it does seem hard to believe that is indeed what's happening and here's the real kicker and this is why I'm like oh of course this is an issue of course this is an issue Most of the facilities don't have any bathrooms, public bathrooms, or even pay toilets for people to use. So, of course they're going to go somewhere else. I mean, I don't know if the escalator is the right spot, but (laughs) uh, I just can't believe that this is a real issue. This is an ongoing problem where they say at any given time, 22 out of 467 escalators are out of service. And that's one of the top five reasons why. Can you believe that?
3: Uh, mm, I don't know, actually. I don't
1: know. How do you make an escalator pee-proof? You can't, I don't think, unless you like cover it in plastic When then I don't know how it operates. So. I'll
3: always maintain um, if, if you really, really have to go potty and there's no bathroom in sight, um, being in plain sight amongst do- thousands and thousands of people is the best place to go because nobody's looking at you. If you're the one guy standing off to the side, you're outed. You're done. Everybody yes. knows what you're doing if yes. you're back-faced. Uh, but if you're within a crowd of a 1,000 people, and you got like an empty bottle or cup, you can go right there and nobody's going to notice.
1: Nobody's looking down. Yeah, Uh, I don't know. I just can't believe that it's that out in the open. It's that obvious of a thing that is happening. It has clearly been an ongoing issue for quite some time, and they have done absolutely nothing to address it, which I think is the most disturbing part um, of all of this. It's not so much that it is happening, because like I said, when you're talking about subways in major cities, this stuff is, it happens. There's never any bathrooms anywhere. Ugh. We need more bathrooms. That's the moral of the story. More bathrooms need to be made available to people who are taking the subway.
3: I know it. That's station, about it. Train stations in Europe, all across Europe, they have paid bathrooms. You got to pay your, I don't know, 35, 60 euro cents for whatever it is. But it's probably better than going on a, uh,
1: on on some sort of escalator. I, I, <laughs> I would <laughs> I think. Anyways, one more, and then we'll wrap this thing up. All right. Split it. It's time for a new headline. All right. Two elephants escape from circus in Russian city. Have you seen this? Have you seen this story at all? No. It's hilarious. So a (laughs) pair of elephants escaped while they were being uh, prepared for transport by circus employees. The pair of giant animals were seen crossing streets, rolling around in the snow. And my favorite part of this whole video was watching one of the handlers try to stop it from crossing the street. (laughs) He was literally standing in front of this elephant, trying to push it backwards. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. oh, and exactly. of course, the elephant just keeps walking and is pushing him straight across the street. Now, they weren't escaped for very long, but how would you feel if you were just driving around and all of a sudden an elephant decided to cross the street? Crushed. I would be feel. I would be feeling crushed, I think. <laughs> well, that's if you drove under it. Anyway, hopefully you'd see it in time and didn't uh, actually run into the darn thing. But great video. If you haven't seen it, I suggest checking it out because you don't see uh, elephants running around city streets very often. Pretty hilarious. Like I said, they weren't on the roadway very long, but they were there for a little bit. So I'd say check out the video. This has been uh, Friday Headlines. What do you think? uh, Yeah, well,
3: uh, we can't see everything. So if people want to get their own headlines in throughout the week,
1: where can they contribute? Well, they could uh, give me a call. I, uh, I guess if you want, you can give me a call at 250 374 uh, 1610. You could shoot me an email at jandreas at stingray.com. Yeah, submit your headlines. It can we, be local, can be national, can be funny, can be super serious as well. can tweet uh, at you too, right? Absolutely. Tweet at me, Jeff Andreas, at J E F F R E Y underscore Andreas. I wish the guy uh, who has at Jeff Andreas didn't have it because. I want it but you know it's probably it's probably like an inactive account that hasn't been used since 2012 110%. But it's taken so I can't <laughs> have taken. it. All right, thanks Kurt. Yeah, yeah. It's been fun. All right, coming up next we're going to be talking about what's going on at Harper Mountain. So stick around. We got more Jeff Andreas show coming up after this.
0: The voice of your community. Radio NL 610 AM news talk at radioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the show here
1: on Friday. Hope you are all ready for what hopefully will be a fantastic weekend ahead here in Camloops and the Kamloops area. Sun Peaks Mountain has been having a strong season today with some record snowfalls and a lot of people saying the conditions up there are pristine, but what about what's going on at Harper Mountain? Well, for those looking to perhaps get a cheaper and closer option for their skiing and snowboarding needs here this coming weekend, well, let's find out just what's going on out there. I'm joined now by Harper Mountain's General Manager Norm DeBurger. Norm, thank Thanks so much for taking the time here. Oh, thanks for having me. All right. So you're up at some, or at Harper mountain right now. What can you tell me about how things are looking? I mean, how are the ski conditions here on uh, Friday, January
0: 24th? Oh, skiing has been great. This whole season's just been awesome. We've, uh, you know, we've had a little bit of a slow start, but then we got the dumps just before Christmas and you know what? We've had steady, soft conditions since, uh, middle of December.
1: And how does that compare to last year? I mean, we were talking just before we came on live here, and, uh, you know, you were saying it was almost like February before winter really started last year, but, um, I mean, things obviously got started a little bit earlier here this year, so it must have been, uh, you know, um, helped really with a, a strong, stronger start to the season anyway.
0: Yeah, well, actually, last year we got pretty lucky, too. We got snow just before Christmas, but really it didn't feel like winter until we hit February. But this year we had our cold snap now. Hopefully that's out of the way, and... uh we're in for some little bit milder temperatures and uh, nice soft snow.
1: Yeah, when uh, looking at that, you know, super bad cold snap that we had last week, I, I keep complaining about it. I've been probably complaining about it too much here over the last while, but it's behind us now. But did that have a big impact on you guys in terms of number of people coming out to uh, participate in ski activities and, and take uh, snowboard runs down the mountain? Did you see a drop off at all as a result of that cold weather?
0: Well, yes, it definitely does. People don't generally like to ski in the minus 20s, but for us, we were kind of lucky. The cold snap didn't hit till Sunday after we were closed, and we open again on Wednesday, so we just missed Wednesday with the minus 25, and right after that, uh, you know what, we get snow, and skiing's been great, so... Yeah, we got really lucky
1: in that snap. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that because, uh, yeah, with with those Monday-Tuesday closures there, I mean, um, that made a big difference, I think, because those were some of the colder days of that, uh, you know, five-, six-day cold snap, whatever exactly it was. So, um, yeah, nice to have a couple of days off for for your employees to not have to be out there operating lifts and stuff in that kind of weather. That worked out pretty well. Uh, What are we looking at here coming up this weekend? Are you anticipating a a pretty strong weekend? I mean, we got some good temperatures, it looks like, coming up, some really comfortable temperatures for people to come and hit the mountains. Uh, I assume you're expecting to be uh, fairly busy here over the next three days.
0: Yeah, we are. Uh, it's generally a fairly busy weekend for us in January, and the temperatures are definitely milder than they've been, and the snowpack is definitely higher than it's um, if ever has been as high. Um, so we expect quite a few people. We'll be running all weekend you know, on Saturday and Sunday with skiing from you know nine thirty till four, and and we're doing our night skiing and tubing from 5 till 9, so it's going to be steady.
1: Would you call it a record snowpack for you guys out at Harper Mountain right now?
0: At this time of year, you know, I, I can only give you a record of the time that I've been here, but uh, that's been 15, 20 years, and uh, this is certainly the most snow we've had at this time of year.
1: Well, that's uh, that's pretty good. And if that's the most you've seen in 15 or 20 years, uh, that's a pretty long track record. I think to say that it's at least approaching some record levels, even if it isn't an all time record. If it's a 20 year record, that's still uh, still sounds like pretty good conditions here to me. Um, I guess anything new or anything exciting going on in Harper Mountain that you want to let people know about? While I got you on the line here. Um, uh, Just, you know, Norm, if uh, anything highlights for the 2020 season that you want people to be aware of.
0: Oh no! Just the standard stuff that we normally do up here, which I think a lot of people in Canada don't realize how how much we do and uh, uh, how nice it is, and so close to town. We, other than our skiing and our tubing, we do offer you know green cross-country trails and uh, marked snowshoe trails. So you can even take the lift up and the trails down. And so if you don't want to do the uphill to get the viewpoints, uh, you just sit on the chair and go for a ride
1: right on norm wall thanks so much for taking the time to come on and, and and speak about what's going on at harper mountain i think uh you know it's not necessarily always the first place on people's minds but maybe it should be a little bit more often so hopefully uh you know having this chat with me here today will make people think you know maybe harper mountain's a good option here for this upcoming weekend and for those looking to get their skiing and snowboarding needs in well harper mountain's a great place to check out right that's you
0: betcha it sure is and you know what we're finding more and more people every year are finding out about us and uh yeah, it's, yeah, we get nothing but good compliments and comments about how nice it is and how close it is to town.
1: Awesome, Normal. Thanks so much for taking the time to come on the program and speak to me. Have yourself an awesome weekend. Enjoy the skiing, and uh, hopefully, we'll catch up again in the future.
0: Yes, thanks a lot, and uh, hopefully we see you soon.
1: Sounds great. That was Norm DeBerger, General Manager out at Harper Mountain. Yeah, definitely is something that people should be thinking about uh, when you're looking to go skiing, when you're looking to go snowboarding. Everybody, you know, kind of thinks some peaks first here, um, but, you know, Harper Mountain's nice and close. It's a great option. Uh, looks like a ton of fun. I've been sitting around watching people uh, do the terrain park stuff out there recently. Uh, looks like a nice little park that they have out at Harper Mountain, so if you're into the tricks and the, and the jumps, then uh, it sounds like a good place to go. I, uh, I definitely would recommend minute from what I've seen, and and I'm going to get out there and check it out myself pretty soon. i got to get my snowboard out a little more frequently. I've been out a couple of times. i got to get out a few more here in the near future because, uh, well, right now the conditions are pristine. Like Norm was saying, snowpack is hitting record levels, and now that we're sitting at nice mild temperatures, what do we got here this weekend? Uh, We got uh, four degrees and six degrees, so definitely some good skiing weather. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me, and of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening, and remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while just know that i enjoyed her time while it lasted have a great weekend and i'll be back here on monday at nine